Tate Robinson on. He's and there's goal of the season, Frank Murphy. Juliano Grazioli. Oh, absolute quality. I'm sure most people would say I was mad. Oh, Ryan and welcome to another episode of the Downhill Second Half Podcast. As ever, joining me, Ian DL, is a man with a random access memory so great he can remember the two-minute Barnet career of Alex Varney. It's our podcast producer, James Harrison. Uh, I'm wondering when you're going to run out of computer puns, mate, honestly. Nah, don't worry. Wikipedia's my friend. And alongside him, a man with all the enthusiasm and unpredictability of a young Ross Flitney. With the ability to metaphorically catch the ball outside the box for no reason, duck and allow it to hit the crossbar or equally produce a stunning save he's got no right to make it's the man the myth the metaphor mr craig clayton good afternoon on this hot sunny afternoon (laughs) and i'm delighted to say we're joined by another great guest on today's show he's our 10th player on the podcast which is quite fitting because he was barnet's number 10 but actually only for 10 (laughs) months a proper center forward he came in and scored vital goals to keep us in the league in 2006 before his blistering goal-scoring form in the following season earned him that big money move to Leeds. I still can't hear the, uh, the song Gold by Spandau Ballet without singing his name. He's indestructible, always believe in his goals. It's Tressa Candle. <laughs> you right, guys? You right? <laughs> <laughs> so cheers for coming on. Good evening, Trezor. So, getting things started off... Right, so according, yeah. to our, according to our records, Trezor, and I should add that that usually just means the internet, um, we see that you actually scored against Barnet um, before, you, before you actually played for us, so you actually scored at Underhill. We always ask people that come on what their awareness of the club was before, but I wonder if you could just elaborate on that, what you knew about Barnet before you joined the club. Um, to be fair, I used to play against Barnet when I was, uh, that's when I started my career as a youth team player which um, I was playing for, I was playing for Luton, Luton Town. And uh, to be fair, that's the only thing I can remember me playing against Barney. And I played against Barney as a professional pro is when I was playing for Bournemouth. When I got, I was at a little, a little time at Bournemouth for only for one season. And I remember playing against Barney. And that's this, I think that's when I scored that goal that you're yeah. talking about. about. Yeah. But yeah, the, yeah. History about the, the history about the club at the time, not much, to be fair. To be honest, not, not much. I remember the underhill, though. Everyone talked about the underhill, the pitch. The pitch was like a little... You go forward, but trying to think about coming back as well because you're going to come against the hill. So that's the one <laughs> thing that everybody talked about. <laughs> about that. <laughs> but apart from that, I didn't have much, much, much of a history. Of course, the hill is what inspired the name of the website and the podcast. Obviously, downhill second half, which is the way that we always try to shoot. Uh, to, to try and give ourselves an advantage. Um, obviously, you spoke about sort of you played for Bournemouth and then I think you had a short, short spell at Cambridge as well. But then you you dropped out of the league and you, you played for um, Thurrock for quite a few seasons um, where obviously you did very well. What was it like for yes. you sort of dropping, dropping down to that level? Did you ever sort of think that, you know, I can always make it back to the Football League and, you know, you, you did do very well there so was it was it was it ever on the cards that you could ever get back to the level that you're at with Bournemouth uh uh when you talk when you're talking about my abilities and believing myself always believing in myself but that case when it was came to back when it came to talk about believing myself as a 
as an athlete and the, the ability that I had as a footballer, I always believed in that. But the problem that was what I was going through back then, it was more off, um, off the field. It was more off, off the field, really. I think I was with a, you know, I mean, I was very young and uh, things weren't really going well for me off the field with the family. A lot of things around me, the surrounding, it wasn't just not the right place for me. And um, that's what happened. That's the reason why I just came off the league. And uh, when I came off the league, I actually, no, I'm going to lie to you, I actually thought, thought about just giving up on football, you know. You know, one of them times when it just comes in your life when you're thinking, you know what, this is not for me. You know, you're just thinking, you know what, I've got your ability and everything. But it was a little shock when uh, Luton released me, really. It was a little shock because I always was the top scorer for the youth team. I started my career uh, playing for the, I scored on my debut, scored against Sunderland when Sunderland was in the Premiership in a, in a cup game. Now, I mean, things was going really well, but off the field, it wasn't always that nice. So, and when I got released, I got released by Luton actually because I was always in some kind of troubles off the field. Now, I mean, and uh, from then, this, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to give up on football. Just let me just chill. Came back home and just chilled. And it was actually my friends that told me, you know what, you can't give up on football. You can't just stop like this. One of my friends that picked me up, spoke to me, and uh, always advised me, always been around me, and it was uh, Clifford Akarang, you know? Ah, yeah, I remember yeah. Cliff, yeah. Cliff had, yeah, yeah, we all remember had a little spell as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So he was always my good mate from the youth team because he was my partner in the youth team for Luton. And we've always been in contact. He's always been like a part of my family, really, you know what I mean? We always kept in contact and stuff like that. So he was one of the people that, in part, obviously him, because you guys know him. Yeah. He's always yeah, my, my friends as well from the area, from the area, from uh, I came back to Cannington, to Stratford. And I always had my friends that told me, you know, what are you doing, man? You can't give up on football. So always people advising you to carry on because that's your ability. That's what they always know you for. And that's why you love doing so. People was always always there to push me and push me and get me back into it. And then I thought, you know what? Uh, Cliff invited me, actually. Cliff invited me to, to come training at Farrakh. He's the one that invited me. And I think he spoke to the manager. And uh, the manager was more than happy to invite me to the training ground. And I came to the training ground and that was it, really. And uh, we just kicked off from there. We kicked off from what we left from the youth team. We just kicked off from there and that's, that's what happened, really. Yeah. There's a funny, there's a funny story in there, Trezor, and I'm sure we'll get back to the sort of chronology of everything in a second. But I remember, so you signed for for Barnet before Cliff did. Uh, Cliff followed, followed your your footsteps yeah. in that in that, and and and, I remember, yeah. and often when players from maybe the non-league situation join Barnet, they'll be asked a question like, "Who do you who do you model your game on? Who 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 are your heroes in football, etc.?" And people will say, you know, Zidane. Uh, Henri, yeah. whoever these people are. And I remember reading in the programme when Cliff signed that he actually said Trezor Candle is one of the people I model my game on, one of my heroes really? in football, which I thought was a really nice thing as well. So a small bit of trivia there, but I thought it was an interesting thing to mention. Okay. Oh, that's nice. So I didn't even know that, to be fair. I didn't know <laughs> that too. I never read that. So I'm just telling you the story from my point of view. And, yeah. Uh, he's actually the person that we really just been like that. He's always been like that, so... I didn't even know that. Oh, thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. <laughs> yeah. So, well, obviously, thanks, you left Cliff yeah. uh, to join Dagenham at the start of the 2005-06 season. So I had a great start to the season there. Um, and then you went on loan for two months to Darlington, which is geographically, especially, you know, you say yourself, you're from kind of Canning Town, East London, like Thurrock, Dagenham's all out there. Yeah. Well, obviously, we're not too far from that in Barnet. Yeah. Um, yeah. The move to Darlington, was that a move with a view to a permanent? Or how did that come about before you signed for us? Uh, 
How did it come about? Uh, I just came to, I came to, I came to, to Dagnum. And I think we came, I came to Dagnum, was it? I think I was in Dagnum for about three, four months, you know, yeah. if I can remember. The first half of I was there for, Yeah, I was there for the, from the summer. And I think I went to Darlington. I think it was something like October or November, something like that. I think yeah. so, if I can remember anyway. Because I remember it wasn't too long. And um, yeah, it was the first time for me to go up north. And it was just kind of a bit strange, you know what I mean? It's like, for the first time, I felt like I've left my family and I left everyone. And I think the first thing that clicked into my head is when I got there, it was the accent. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, listen, I'm like, Ra, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, when you hear, you, hear, you, hear, you hear all these people talking with a different accent in a match of the day when you're watching all these footballers from North. And when you're hearing it everywhere you're going, you're getting to the shop. You're hearing it. You go, you land to the airport. You're hearing it everywhere. You're thinking, you know what? I'm actually out of the area. I'm really out of the area. And it was just super cold that time. And I this I just thought, you know what? I wasn't. To be fair, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was enjoying my football at, at Dagenham. So it was nothing to do with thinking about the money and things like that. I was just thinking about just enjoying my football, really. And uh, when I got there, I just never thought this was me. I've never thought it was for me, basically. I just thought, like, nah, this is not for me. So I wasn't comfortable, to be fair. I was not comfortable. So I actually really did. I was calling the manager all the time. I was calling the manager at Dagnum and then just asked him to bring me back. Because yeah, asked him to bring... yeah, you picked pick the wrong time of year to go up to Darlington, definitely. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah I, think was, I think that's what it was. And it was because it was my first time to come to go up north and trying to live up north. It yeah. was just not everything was just I think it was the wrong time. Yeah, and they had that weird in Darlington, well, didn't they? With the, with the ground, they had a huge stadium, like Premier League size yeah, stadium. They had a huge no stadium. Fans. The stadium was. I'm not gonna lie to you. That stadium should have been a championship somewhere. Yeah. I don't know, maybe yeah. even Premiership. I got there the first thing I saw the stadium and I was like, "Is this? I'm on a champ. I'm on. I'm on a league two, or this is a championship or something." It was a serious, serious stadium. You come outside the stadium; it's a serious, brand new stadium. You go inside the seriously. It was just wicked. The training ground, everything was perfect. My agent was like, "Could you? Would you be able to handle this? Are you gonna handle this stadium here?" I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> yes." I'm going to handle this. I'm going to try my best. But the weather, it was just not for me. The accent, everything around it, it was just not for me. So I was like, you know what? I need to go back home. I need to go back home. So I think I played like six games. I scored two. And uh, I was just not comfortable, you know, to be fair. I was just not comfortable. So I was just pleading my manager to bring me back to Dagenham so I can just be with my friends and just enjoy my football, really. Yeah, so yeah. I always I always remember that. I always remember that Darlington Stadium being very yeah. odd experience to be there as a supporter. Like, yeah. 27,000 capacity or wherever it is and 2,500 people in there. It was very strange. Obviously, we're in the middle of a strange, weird yeah. situation <laughs> at, the time, at, at, at the moment um, with playing an empty stadium. Sometimes it must have felt exactly. like that for you. That you're playing like. in a huge That's stadium with no one there. Exactly, that's how it felt like. It felt, it felt, it felt like how it feels now for some of them footballers playing in a big stadium. And it's like, well, you're calling for the ball and everyone can hear you calling for the ball. I mean, the manager's shouting at you and the whole stadium, people can hear the manager shouting at you. <laughs> and it was, it was just, but it, it, was, it was all right. It was a brand new uh, experience for me. But I think everything around it was just not the right time. And I just felt to myself, I thought to myself, you know, I need to get back to my area and just play my football and enjoy my football. Just the, that's, the, that's the only thing I was thinking about, just enjoying my football. And uh, I think the time was just not right. And it, everything just happened too quick as well. 
I just got to Dagenham and I was just settling to, to, the, to the new club in Dagenham Redbridge. I was just settling down. And the next minute, I see the manager's calling me in his office, TK, I told you, you're not going to be here for too long. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not going to be here for too long? I'm thinking, am I in trouble again? <laughs> I, mean, I am Mr. Trouble, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm the Mr. Trouble. Everywhere I go, I'm the Mr. Trouble. So I'm like, am I in trouble again? He's like, nah, listen, this is a good one for you. I think you're going to need this. I think I don't need you to be here for too long, you know, Trez. Trez, I think you're good enough to be there. So I'm, I'm thinking, what is this guy talking about? What are you talking about? He was like, yeah, I think you need to go up north, you know. You might not like it, but it's going to be good for you. It's going to be a nice stadium. You're going to love the stadium and this and that. I was like, okay, talk to me. So what is this? Where are you taking me? Oh, yeah, Darlington came for you. There's this other club that came for you, this and that. I think the best one for you was Darlington. And at the time, uh, I just listened to him. And I thought to myself, okay, you know what? It's, a chance, it's an opportunity for me as well to go and play in the league. So I thought, okay, I'll take that. Let me just try it. Why not? But I think it just happened too quick and it was at the wrong time, basically. Yeah, and obviously you were back at Dagenham in, in January, but you weren't yeah. there for long because obviously you joined Barnet in what at the yeah. time for us was a really big deal. Like Barnet don't spend fifty thousand pounds on many players, um, so it was a big big noise sort of coming in. There were rumours as well when you came in that it was between Barnet and Orient to sign you, and apparently we were more willing. Yes, to up yes, Is that true. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, I actually had a meeting with the Leighton Orient manager and uh, and the chairman. Oh, sorry, what's his name again? The guy that does the box. Barry Hearn, yeah. I actually went to his office with my agent. We sat down and I was like, what is this office? I'm looking at the office and I can't see nothing to do with football here. Well, I can see boxing. <laughs> I can see these guys' pictures. Are they all talking? My agent is talking for about two hours with him. I'm just sitting, just looking around. I'm not even listening to the conversation. I'm just looking at the pictures. I'm just like, oh my God, what is this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this person here? <laughs> You know what I mean, I'm just looking at the pictures. This guy with his there with Mac Tyson, he's <laughs> there with Frank Bruno. I'm looking, at, I'm looking around him like, but yeah. But I spoke to them. We had a chat. That's true. It's a true story. I was supposed to go to Leighton Orient, and uh, I think because they just realised I wanted to be local, people just realised as I left Darlington, people realised that I just wanted to stay kind of local. I think I wanted to be local a bit. Uh, I'm a very so close to my family. That's that's one thing I've always been. I've always been so close to my family and friends, and uh, I think people did did realize I wanted to be local, so they chose between Barnet and Leonorian, which was perfect for me. Them two, uh, them two. But the first people I went to see and speak to, it was it was a uh, Leonorian. Yes, I did, and uh, I spoke it, to them, and I just thought, nah. It, it, to be fair, it sounds like quite an impressive setup. You've got Barry Hearn with, as you say, a lot of <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. A different sport memorabilia, but still quite yeah. a lot of big names that you mentioned. Um, yeah, did it end yeah. up being your choice in the end, or was it something that the clubs took out of your hands? Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, when I spoke to him, I spoke to him and the manager back then, and um, obviously I was impressed with who the person was, had a respect for the, who the people were, but I'm not always phased about all them things, you know. I'll look mm -hmm. at it, I'm impressed with, for who you are, I respect who you are. But then I'm always a sort of person, I always look at my career. I always want to be happy, you know what I mean? I always trying to be happy for me first. And it was good for me and probably my family and stuff like that. And uh, as we've spoken, and you think it was a private talk, which I can't, obviously I can't say here. I, was, I thought to myself, you know what? Let me chill for a bit. Let me relax for a bit. And then uh, I told my agent, nah, let me relax for a bit. Let me think about it. There was something I was telling me, let me think about it. Maybe it wasn't the right place for me. And uh, then we had a chat with uh, Mr. Fairclough. And Mr. Fairclough, and uh, I don't know if you want me to go straight to that or you wanted to ask me a yeah, question about it. Yeah, go, please do, please do, yeah. 
Yeah, then we had a chat with uh, Mr. Furcloth. And uh, it was one of them ones, you know what I mean? You know when you're just talking to someone and you notice the person you're supposed to meet, you were supposed to meet for a long time. It just, it just, you just click, you know what I mean? There's no question, there's no many questions you ask yourself about it. I spoke to him, I came to see him and I spoke to him and I knew this was the manager I was supposed to play for. He was as simple as that. I can't even remember what he said to me. It was not, I don't think he said something major to me, but he was, you just feel like this is the person you're supposed to meet and this is the person you're supposed to play for. I felt like I've, met, I've known this guy for so many years, for so many years, and he just feel like this is the right person for me. And that was it. So I didn't look at the ground. I didn't look at the stadium. I didn't look at who had the best pictures out there, who had the best. I just looked at the person I've spoken to, and I just thought, this person, I'll play for this guy. That was, that was really the, that's what happened. Cool. So, so, so eventually, of course, you, you signed for the club, and um, you made your debut in a game against um, Shrewsbury. It was, on a, it was a standard... Saturday, three o'clock kickoff uh, game, but I don't know if you remember, it got delayed by about ninety minutes because um, the floodlights yes. went off. And yes, uh, I know you sort of you sort of spoke about like um, not seeing the stadium, not not speaking to anybody. But then when when something like that happens, you must be sort of questioning what the hell's going on. But I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you. It's did. not just me. Everybody did. It's not <laughs> just me. But obviously, I, I was new right at the club. It was my first game at the club, and I was like, Jesus. Christ, what is going on? Yeah, honestly, you know what it is, I just couldn't wait to put my shirt on. You know, I couldn't wait to put my socks on and just get on a pitch. Trust me, I couldn't wait. I couldn't honestly, wait. Honestly, mate, that's not the half of it when it comes to Barnet. But uh, yeah, it's um, <laughs> an, an interesting day to say these because we're all we're all stood outside waiting for the game to kick off in the freezing cold. But obviously, uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a different experience. But for you, uh, eventually the game the game kicks off and. Um, you know, you make the perfect debut. You get the um, you get the only goal in a one nil win. Um, I believe it was a it was a goal from distance, and of course the goalkeeper is Joe Hart, who obviously goes on to be England's number one for several years. Uh, and uh, he does, and then you're sort of there doing your multiple sort of flip celebration. What was that? What was that feeling like for you to 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 come on, uh, sort of start on your debut and and get that goal and 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 celebrate in the way that you did. Uh, the way I celebrated it was because it meant a lot to me, you know. Uh, I remember in in a few, in a small space of time of months, there's a lot of things that just happened. I just came to bar, I came to Dagnam. I was just settling down, and I went to Darlington. I'm trying to settle down. I didn't like, it and then I had to come back. I come back to Dagnam, played for one month or something like that, and then I went to supposed to go to Leon Orient. And it was just it was just a lot of things in my mind. It was just so many things going on for the past for the for the little space of time of what three months. A lot of things was going on, and I just felt like you know what, yeah, this is where I need to settle down, and uh, I have to prove myself. I felt I felt like I had to prove myself because I didn't do much at Darlington. I felt like I f- I didn't do well. I didn't do what I was supposed to do at Darlington in the league. And I felt to myself, you know what, this, okay, let me just leave that Darlington story because it was behind me and uh, I think it was the wrong time. Everything was just at the wrong time, wrong time in the wrong place. And I felt like this was another opportunity for me to prove myself in the league. And that's how it was. And I had to, I said to myself, you know what, I have to prove myself in this league. Thanks for reminding me, you know what, yeah, I, need, I didn't even know that was Joe Hart in goal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, know, I know Joe Hart used to play for Shrewsbury, but I didn't know when we played him at the time, he was the goalkeeper. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know he played for Trubri. I didn't know. Thanks for telling me. I didn't even know that. All I remember playing, I think the goal, there was a goal kick. I can remember that goal because them kind of goals you can't forget. It, it was a debut and you just can't forget that. I think it was a goal kick. 
And if you have that picture, if you have the video of that goal, if please, guys, if you can send it to me. I, always <laughs> for that goal. I think it was a goal kick from the goalkeeper. And uh, I just chested it. I think I chested it and just turned it around. And I didn't look at anyone else. I just thought to myself, this is it. I'm going to bang it. And I thought, like, yeah, I, just, I just banged it. Bottom corner, Joe Hart, later. <laughs> <laughs> The first time I saw you play, I have to say that it really felt like we picked up a, a, a really good striker. So uh, oh, you can imagine, you. as a Barnet fan, you we we uh, you weren't the first player that came out of non-league to play for Barnet at that time when we were in the league. You, you probably mm-hmm. won't be the last if we if we find ourselves back in the league again as well. Because of course, yeah. as a club like Barnet, you have to source players from non-league. But and you, and sometimes it really works, and sometimes it doesn't. But I have to say, yeah. from from that first moment and pretty much every other time you played, and of course we'll talk about that, I think yeah. it, it was very obvious we had a, a really, really good player on our hands. And uh, oh, thank yeah. You. I, oh, thank you. Yeah, so I suppose you... The, thank you. We, we talked about you, uh, we talked about you, you, your debut and you're playing that game. Of course, you're, you're coming into a squad that was only promoted the year before. I guess there's a lot of friendships in there and friends and, and players that have played with each other now for a little while. How did you find settling into Barnet? And did you? And was there a social life that went with it, or was it just was it just professional? Uh, to be fair, settling down, like I, I told you, I'd spoken to the manager. The manager, the first person that makes you feel at home is the manager first. Yeah. The first people that makes you feel at home is the person you speak to at the first in the first place. Is the he's the one that makes you feel at home. If makes you feel welcome, and after that, and uh, did you just have to bonding with the boys and that and it was it wasn't hard for me i think it was it was just it just happened we just clicked and i mean and people i think some people to give you respect as well for what you do on the pitch for the work that you give in and that and people just respect you for what you do on the pitch and it just it takes it out as well off the field as well so we start we just blend in well with the people and uh, and the crowd and uh, everyone else i think it was i just loved it i loved it from from the day one and to the end seriously i did I had I was more than welcome and it was just we just clicked really we clicked with everyone. We had like Nicky Bailey that was there. He was really close to me. Oh, he was really close to me. And uh, we had Simon King. We had other uh, Yakubu. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, so we had Odin Sinclair. So we had we had some people that was I remember Jason, Jason Norville. Yeah, 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 Jason yeah we remember him. I remember Ben. Ben Strevens was there and uh, I was more than welcome. People really did welcome me well, you know what I mean? I was really I felt at home straight away. I did. Um, at the time, we are uh, in a bit of a relegation battle. Obviously, we've, we've just come up from the conference and we were perhaps expecting diff- um, better things, different things from, from what we were doing uh, the year before. Uh, but we've come into a relegation battle. But you're sort of chipping in with uh, very important goals across the time. Uh, later in the season, we, we scored, uh, sorry, we played at home to, to Darlington, obviously, the, the side that you'd been. <laughs> on loan to previously in the year and you scored again the only goal in a 1-0 win um, yeah, was yeah. there anything in that for you in terms of like trying to prove a point or was there anything about you know is there anything for you about scoring against a club that you used to play for what was what was that sort of feeling like for you the feeling like I told you like I just said before I felt like when I went to Darlington I had a point to prove and I felt like I didn't do the right business as I, I know I was I was capable of doing. So playing against Darlington, it was like, okay, I went there to test myself and I, I felt like I flopped, if I can say like that. I felt like, okay, I flopped. And I felt like, 
nah, this club was not for me. And I knew everyone there. I was there for about what? I was there for two months. So it was it two months or six, eight weeks? I don't, I don't, I don't even know. And uh, when, I, when it came to play against them, I knew everyone on that pitch. Everyone on that pitch, even from the sideline. And uh, yes, it can be like that. You can say like that. I know some people don't like to say like that. But you do feel like that. The first thing you feel like, you know what, yeah, I have to prove myself in the league, in this league, because I had to come back in the I just go back in the league and I have to prove myself in the league. And then the second thing, I'm not going to lie about that, but yes, you have to prove yourself against the people you're playing against because sometimes you were there, some people don't realise, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things that we go through, we go through when you you feel like you're out of the country or you're out your area. Sometimes things things don't always go your, your, your way. And... Um, it does disturb a little bit. And I did, it did disturb me when I felt like I was really away from myself when I was at Darlington. So things didn't really go that, the way I wanted to. And when I played against them, I felt like, you know what, let me just do it. Let me prove these guys like, you know what, it was not about Darlington right now, it's about Barnet. So I was more than good enough to play in that team as well, more than good enough to be in the league as well. And I thought, yeah, let me just do this. And I felt good. I felt good when I banged it in, you know what I mean? I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember it well. That was a, it was a massive win. I remember like I said at the start, we, the uh, song we used to sing to you on the terrace about the, the Spandau Ballet song, uh, Gold, about, you know, always believing his goals. I remember on the Sunday after that, being at home a little bit hungover, listening to that over and over again, <laughs> singing yeah. the candle lyrics for it. Um, <laughs> every, everything's going well at that point. Like, we're... That was a massive win. We had a decent draw the week before at Peterborough as well. We looked like we we're kind of digging our way out of trouble. Yeah. Um, and then the next week we go to Boston. And obviously I'm going to tell my point of view from the terrace to this, and you can correct me as I, as you know, you know better than I do. We're yeah. at Boston and I remember the team kind of come out and it was like, Candle's not involved. He's not anywhere to be seen. And mm. uh, basically what people were saying on the terrace, oh, he, apparently he's been arrested. And um, I wonder if you could shed any light into, you know, how much of that gossip was true at that point. Because that was like the start of April and you did come back into the team. But obviously, I know we had things coming up that weren't maybe so positive for you. Um, to be fair, there was a lot of things going, off the, going on off the field that obviously the club, the club was aware of. And uh, I was not locked off at, it, at that time against Boston. I was not locked off. Locked up, I mean locked up around that time. It was after that. And you know, it was nothing to do with uh, the trouble that was going on with me off the field. It was it was nothing with nothing to do with uh, me being locked up or anything like that. I think, uh, I think at the time, the club just wanted me to be off it because my head wasn't in the right place. Yeah. So they just want me, they didn't want me to get involved in that game. I think that's what happened. Yeah, no, fair enough. And then obviously you, you came back in for like the run into the end of that season. I think you played the last sort of six, seven games. Um, and you were part of the team. We stayed up on the last day, which was great. But you so didn't... after the Boston, after sorry, after after the Boston games, that's when I got locked up, right? After the after the Boston game well, was after that. You yeah, you played you played to the end of the season. Um, and I was going to ask like you know in terms of your form, you you didn't score any more goals. I mean, I'll be honest, I can't remember fourteen years ago, game to game, how how well you might have played personally, but. Um, you know, yeah. you, so did, but do you feel like what was going on off the pitch and the prospect of what was to come in the summer, um, yeah. maybe affected yeah. your form a little bit? Hundred percent, hundred percent, it did. And I think it was quite obvious. It was really obvious. I think you guys realised it afterwards because you guys didn't know much of what was going on in my life. It was all gossip. So, that's what I mean. That's why it's good yeah, to speak yeah. out and get a kind of clear yeah. view. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yes, it did affect me big time. 
big, big, big time. I just knew, I knew anytime I'll be gone. And you know what it feels like when you just know anytime you'll be gone. First, I was looking at my family. Like I said to you, I'm, really, I'm one of them people that everything I do, I always try and do it for the family and prove, uh, make them proud and stuff like that. I'll force myself, I'll, put, I'll dig myself in a hole. You know what I mean? I'll dig myself anywhere to make them proud. You know what I mean? To make uh, people happy and I thought, but I felt like I, I was disappointing a lot of people in that could because I knew what was going on. Can you imagine that my parents, they didn't even know anything about it. Right. My my mom and dad didn't know anything about what was going on. My sisters didn't know anything about what was going on. The only people that knew a bit about what was going on, what was going on, and what was going to happen to me, it was, I think it was my agent. I don't know if he knew it right at the beginning. I don't know if he, I was even hiding away from him as well. Uh, it was my agent, and uh, the club knew it. The club knew it. Mr. Fairclough knew. Um, there was not many people that knew about it. And then it got to the point where just they had to find out because then my agent was taking me to the club, telling me what was going to happen to me, how long I'm going to be, I might be going for, speaking to my, speaking to my lawyer, which he was telling me, you know what, you might be gone for two months. You might be gone for two, three months. And I'm like, damn, three months. What's going to happen to my football? You know what I mean? That's the first thing. What's going to happen to my football? Yeah. And what are the people out there going to say about me? You know what I mean? You always look at you. I've always been in a trouble person. So this is going to be a massive opportunity again to point fingers at me once again. You know what I mean? I'm going to lay everyone down, man. I'm going to lay the people down. And the first thing I was thinking about the club as well. And I knew Mr. Worth, Mr. Fairclough, me speaking to this person, he was, I had so much respect for this guy. And me, because I was, I was just expecting to myself, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to get locked off. And uh, my contract is going to get ripped off. And I'm going to be out of there. So whatever happens to me back when I come back out, I'm going to find myself a new club. And I, I just knew, you know what, I'm going to go back to them non-leagues again, start all over again, all them stuff like that. And that's, I had all these things thinking about, this is me on the pitch, you know. This is me playing on the pitch and thinking about all these things. Sometimes I was like in daydreaming. I wasn't even thinking about which runs to make, which runs to do, which what to do. There was no concentration at all. I was there. People could see a human being being there, wasting his time. I'm basically a big man being there, just wasting his time on a pitch. But mentally, mentally, I wasn't even there. Physically, I wasn't even there. Even in training, I wasn't there. So I can talk as much as I, I can. But as you can see, this is this 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 is all things that, that goes through people's heads, you know, that sometimes, and um, yeah. That's why I was getting through a lot. I was getting through so much. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't can't <laughs> emphasize or imagine the anxiety of, of having, you know, a custodial sentence coming up. Um, you know, you speak with a lot of respect for Paul Fairclough, like you know, Mr. Fairclough as you've called him. Was it made clear from the start, kind of thing, that the club would support you? Because again, my memory of it as the time as a supporter was that it was very we're gonna stand by him from both Tony Clemfoss and Paul Fairclough. Did you get that message kind of from the beginning from them? Uh, the message, I had, a, I had a meeting one day. I had a meeting with Mr. Fairclough. Um, and uh, it was me, my agent, and Mr. Fairclough. This was like maybe like a week before my, my trial. It was not even a week. It was like a couple of days before my trial. And, um, and he just made it clear to me, you know what? We're going to be there for you. We're going to try and do this for you. We're going to be there. I was looking at this guy thinking to myself, oh, my God. Why is he even doing this, man? Why are they even doing this? You know what I mean? Why are they doing this? You know what I mean? Like, I don't deserve this. And it was, yeah, he told me, he actually did tell me like before, like a week before I go down, 
he told me, yeah, they'll be after me, they'll be there. They'll stand by me. So if I need any help, they'll be there. You know what I mean? That was that was crazy. That was so touching. I'm thinking, I'm looking at this guy. He's going, I don't know if he had something to lose. I don't think he maybe, we could have just had any, any of a striker from the non-league or even in the league to replace me. You know what I mean? So, but he stood by my side and yes, he had to wait for me to come back out and carry on. And he's mad. He was mad. He was mad. Me thinking about it, that's why I've got so much crazy respect for this person, for Mr. Ferkler. I don't even call him coach or my manager. I just call him Mr. Ferkler for me. That's about it. But (laughs) he's crazy. He's crazy. This guy was a ledge. He's a ledge for me, man. Seriously. I think that's a really nice thing, Trezor. We, we, we've done a few of these. I think Ian said at the beginning, I think this is the, the 10th player we've, we've spoken to from largely from that kind of era as well. A lot of, a lot of them have been. And I think like, like any manager-player relationship, there's been some players that have spoken about positive relationships with, with, with Mr. Fairclough, as you say, others that, that haven't, haven't had a, as good a time. But I think it's really nice to hear a player or an ex-player, I should say, come on and talk so positively about that period of time. And... Um, of course, you spent that summer in prison. It must have been a really difficult time for you. I remember um, the club saying that, that, that Paul Fairclough um, had been writing to you whilst you were, were in prison. I, I don't know if you remember that and if, if that's something you're able to talk about or whether that's something that you'd, you'd rather leave there. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I know he wrote to me, but what, I don't know what happened to me inside, but I've never got to see the letters. I never okay. got to see it. Yeah, uh, I know he did. But I never got to see them, which I was gutted about. But because I've known, I, I I kind of just I felt this guy was like a like a daddy, you know what I mean? He just he, yeah. whether he writes to me or not, I know I knew he had my back. Yeah, and I mean I just knew it. I didn't I, I didn't really need him to call me. I didn't need him to to be there physically. I didn't need him to be calling me, writing to me. Like I just knew he had my back because he had I, I had his last word. And this guy, this uh, this Mister Furcloth. The first thing he said to me when I first came to the club, like I said to you, he didn't last me long. When you meet someone, you just know this is the right person you're going to play for, like I said earlier. And everything he said to me from day one, and that's what he did to me on the pitch. That's what actually happened. Because you don't get that from a lot of managers. Some managers, you come to them and you meet them. They talk to you. Oh, yes, this is what I'm going to think. I'm going to make you play like this. I'm going to make you play like that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. But then he comes on the pitch. He comes to do it. He can do it for the first two months, the first month or the most two, three months. And everything just changes. But then you've probably signed for four years because you've heard what this guy had prom- promised you. I mean, that's what happens to a lot of different managers sometimes. And that's why players, they just lose their heads. And uh, people some seems to think like, oh, this player is not the same player anymore. This player used to play well for Everton. How come yeah, he's come to this club? Well. He doesn't... So, yeah, but he's always had, he always kept his word. He's always kept his word from day one to me. So that's why when I went down, uh, whether he wrote to me or not, I didn't really need it. I mean, from him, I didn't really need it because I just knew he had my back anyway. So I just, I just, I was comfortable with it. I think that's, a, like I say, it's a really nice thing to hear that 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 side of Paul Fairclough and and the the impact he's had on you and how positive that's been. I suppose. Um, yes. I, I, as that period of time is coming to an end, obviously it's a tricky bit because you'd want to be in the preseason and you'd want to be part of all yes. of that. I suppose that wasn't as easy. How did you find yes. that kind of? period of time as you're finishing the sentence knowing that you've got football to come back and play was that was that did that keep you motivated or was it just distracting and you wished you were out and part of it how how was that period for you no I was more motivated I was very motivated and once again I thought to myself you know what this is the 
this is the 100 metres I've got in my career now. This is he's right now. He's either I make a mistake now or no more. This is the last one. That's what I was actually, I think I needed it. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been, like I said, from the, from the, from the, from the start, from the year of the interview, I've always been the troublemaker. I've been the troublemaker Luton. And my troubles was never on the field or anything like that. It was always off the field. And uh, it got to the point where I thought to myself, you know what, this is it. It's either you change now or this is it. This is the last one for you. So Mr. Fairclough is the one who gave me the last chance. He gave me the last chance. Barney gave me the last chance. And uh, I'm always going to be so, so grateful, you know what I mean? I'm always going to be so, so, so grateful for this club because... What they've done, obviously, I don't know. Like I said, they, like, they could have just gone and find another striker, you know, to replace me, take a number 10 or whatever. But you know what? They kept their word and for themselves, you know what? These guys are going to come back and do the job for us. They really, really trusted me. And I had to pay that back. And I was so motivated. You don't understand what kind of motivation I had. It was a crazy motivation I had. When I thought to myself, when I'm going to come back, I'm going to pay I'm going to pay them back from what they've done to me. I have to pay this club back for what they've done to me. Mr. Furclough. I'm going to make you proud. You know what? That's, that was my aim. That was my target. It was nothing to do with my family no more. This was just about the club and Mr. Furclough. Really. Yeah. And well, obviously, when you, you, know, when you uh, released from prison that summer, you, you came back and, you know, lucky you straight, straight back into the team from the start of the season. I think, you know, yeah. it might match fitness perhaps takes, takes a bit of time to get used to if you've not had a full pre-season because of that. Yeah. But, um, you're, you know, you, you went on a brilliant run of form, which kind of started with a really memorable night for those of us that were there at um, Cardiff City in the Carling Cup. Oh. Uh, the first round. So we, we, we're obviously League Two. Cardiff right near the top of the championship. I think they might have been top of the league at that early point oh, of the Cardiff. season. Cardiff, yeah, yeah, Cardiff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we've, you know, we've gone down there. We've won 2-0 with two, two goals from you. One in particular, you've lobbed the goalkeeper where he was out off his line. Um, which yeah. I remember, remember really, really well. And I remember uh, for myself going to that game, I, I've got a family in South Wales. I get the train home okay. afterwards, absolutely terrified. The only Barnet found on the Cardiff train after <laughs> having to keep very, very quiet with a big smile on my face thanks to your two goals. Um, so <laughs> thank you for an uncomfortable moment, but it was worth it. I didn't get beaten up, so it was all good. Um, but that, that night seemed to be the one like, in your Barnet career, obviously you had a good start and then, you know, for obvious reasons, it stalled a bit. That night seems to be when it kind of clicked for you and then, you know, you went on after that score of a load more goals. Does that game yeah. stand at all for you in your memory or was that kind of just part of that getting back to football at that time? No, I can't. Yeah, yeah, I remember the game like it was yesterday, really. I do remember the game. He's like, when I came back, when I came back, don't forget, when, when me, when I came back from, uh, when I came out, when I came out of prison, I just was too big. I didn't realize how big I was until when I came out. It's like, I was inside, I had all these big people around me. But when I came out, I realized, damn, I put on weight. I put on weight. <laughs> and I came out, I came to see my mom shaking my mom's hand. And she was like, what the hell has happened to you? You just put on so much weight. And I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't tell myself. It's only until I got to the pitch, back to the training ground. And I looked at everyone else and I tried my shirt on. My shirt couldn't fit. So they had to order me a new size of the shirt. That was the truth. <laughs> yeah, I had to change a new shirt. I had to get a new shirt. I had to get new shorts. All them things there. And I trained that like, for three days. I think I trained that like, for three days before I come on sub. I remember I came back on sub. And I forgot who it was against. I remember when I came back, I came back on sub. And I remember the crowd standing up and just clapping for so long for me. And that was it. And I felt to myself, oh, my God. 
these people really, they really meant what they said to me, man. They're going to be here for me, man. Yes. Now it's time for me to pay back. Uh, so mo- most of the games I played in when I was playing, it was more of a pre-season for me. Really, it was. It was like a pre-season for me trying to get back to fitness. It was hard. It was hard because obviously you're locked in inside. You can't even run. I was, I was locked in for, for a good three months. Two and a half. I think it's two and a half, three months. So I couldn't even run. I couldn't, there's no place where you can go and train and train, train, train. You're always locked in. So you couldn't train at all. And uh, my training, my running, it was just when I came out. When I came out, my training, it was when I was training with the guys. That was my preseason. And all the games I played in when I came on sub until all the games I started, the first six games and I, it was just me basically just being my preseason. And I remember that game against Cardiff who played away. It was great, man. I don't know, man. I just got to the bit when I was feeling, yeah, I'm getting back to my fitness. And uh, from then, I thought to myself, you know what? Yeah, let's kick it off, man. Let's, no, let's not go back. Let's kick it off. It was a good night. It was a good night. It was really a good night. I remember I scored a header. I think I remember I scored a header and I went and lobbed the keeper from, I think, from, I don't know where it was from. A long and way it out. It was a <laughs> long way out. I don't know if I can call it a halfway line, but it was a long way out. We can say and, on the podcast, Trezor, no one's got the video. It's all good. We'll say... Halfway like your half, whatever. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, it was. And yeah, 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 it was good. 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 From then, when we came back, it was crazy, man. It was crazy from the on the coach on the way back. It was like, damn, man, we just smashed up what Cardiff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now we can do this, guys. God, this is this was only Cardiff. So let's smash all this league, man. Let's stay up in the league and just smash all this. So it was. I think it was a cup games. Cup games. We just we would just destroy. All these teams in the cup games, man. They had a good year in the cups that year. Yeah, in the cup games. Yeah, in the cups, we were really done well. We done well in the cups. Yeah. I think to, to use your phrase, I think you you said sort of kick it off from that point because um, you know, like you said, in the cups, we we did we did do really well. And then from your personal perspective, your form, you know, you're chipping in goals sort of left, right, and centre. You're, you're you're doing really well. And um, I'm interested that like, after the summer that you had, um, yeah. obviously it was a probably a diff- well as you say a very difficult time for you um you felt like you had something to prove you felt like you had to sort of repay um yeah. the club a little bit for your faith how yeah. did that feel for you sort of getting all the goals that you did sort of in the in the following few months you know after that cardiff game um and 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 and, and chipping in like you did the confidence i think the confidence got to me crazy confidence got to me uh the manager played a role Mr. Furcloth played a massive role. It's like, this guy just, this guy's never told me what to do, you know. He's never, ever told me how to play. He's never, ever told me, oh, stand there, wait for the long ball, come back short, do that, turn. Trez, you've got pace, Trez, you can do this. Trez, you can do that. He's never told me anything. The only thing that Mr. Furcloth always told me, you know what, Trez, go in and enjoy yourself. Go and do what you can do. I can't remember, I can't even actually remember me and him having a one-on-one chat. And uh, telling me, you know what? I think you, yeah, I think you can do this. You know, I think you can do. It. I was actually playing my normal football. I was playing me. When I was playing for Barney, I was playing me because Mr. Furcloth just let me play me. So I just had to play me, and I, I was me playing. So I just really enjoyed it, and the confidence was high. The confidence was just not for me. I think it was the all the people around me, man, the whole team, man, the whole team. We, we, things, things were just going well. Even though we were struggling a little bit in a in a league and that, but we can start from Ross, Ross, and uh, from the top bit. I think the confidence was there, man. The confidence was there for most of us, not just me, but it was most of us. We got drawn away to Leeds in the second round of that uh, uh-huh. of that of that cup game, um, yes. and we sort of played a 
a weakened team. We didn't play like the first 11. I remember the sort of the supporters felt a little bit disappointed that we didn't have like a full strength team out. And obviously you yourself, you started on the bench. Did you sort of feel a little bit disappointed at that time that you didn't get a chance to have a go at Leeds in the same way that you did at Cardiff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. Sometimes you do because you're thinking to yourself, you just want to play against them big teams, you know what I mean? Big stadium and big teams, nice teams like that. And you just want to be part of that, part of that history if you want to beat them and prove yourself there. Uh, but I think I came on. Yeah, I came did. on came on quite early. I didn't come on late around the game. I came on quite slightly quite early. I think I played I think for it was half time. I think was it half time, yeah? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I remember playing quite for a bit, so I was quite I was fine with it. You know what I mean? I really was fine with it. I didn't have no problem being on a bench or anything. I was really more fine with it. I think Mr. Furcloth was more concentrating as well on the league because the way things were going on, he he really wanted to keep us fresh for the league as well. I think, I don't know, that's up to him to... Just to... I, I was going to ask about that, Trezor, because the year before we played Man United in October, so in the next round, and our league form went out the window for about six weeks before we played them for obvious reasons. Like, So in the build-up to that Leeds game, was there no kind of special, you know, it's a big game, we're playing at a big ground, a big team? Was it? Did Fairclub kind of say, like, our priorities, the league, like, don't worry about this? Was there a different kind of attitude on that one that year? No, not at all. When it comes to attitude, no. Attitude has always been the same. Attitude has always been the same. Uh, the determination has always been the same to win the games and that. It's just maybe he's just wanted to give some people more chances to play and uh, people to express themselves a bit more. People that have that people that never had really many games uh, uh, to play. So he just wanted to change the team for a bit. Maybe, like I'm saying, maybe he was more concentrating on the league. He really wanted to us to stay fresh for the league games because things weren't going too well for, for us in the league at the time. I don't know if that was the case, but that's really for him to say that. But yeah. me, I really enjoyed my time, you know. When I came on, I really just thought to myself, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to give it all. And I think we've done well. I think we played against... I think Leeds were very surprised, you know, the way we played against them. We had a really good game against Leeds, even though we lost the game. But we had a really... What was the score in that game? 3-1. 3-1. They, 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 they scored early and we came back. Second half, we were good. We were good that night. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was uh, people really enjoyed it. We enjoyed ourselves, to be fair, in that game. We did. I think that was a disappointing thing for a lot of fans, and I know we'll move on from this in a minute. But when when you came on, and I think we I think we might have made a couple of changes at half time, but certainly we we changed the way we played. We became quite a little bit more attacking and, a, and really had a go at them. Um, and we yeah. looked like we we might have actually given them a bit of a run for their money had we uh, had we gone out there from the beginning like that. But I suppose. Look, we could speculate for for hours on, on on what the decisions and why the decisions were made, but um, but in any case, it was a, a big day out for us. And I suppose we'll come back to Leeds in a bit, but I think there's probably something before that, isn't there, yeah. James? Yeah. 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 So obviously, yeah. So you played well in that game, and then and then a good run of form as well. Uh, as you say the mm. team's form was really indifferent. We were very we were a really strange team that year. In that, like you said before, I think we had some really talented footballers. Obviously yourself. Jason Punch really? in that team, Simon King, Nicky Bailey. Yeah. It's a yeah. mystery really how we didn't do a little bit better with some of the players we had in the squad. But for whatever reason, we were quite inconsistent. Um, but your, your goals kind of picked up through the October into the November. And that takes us on to, we're nearly the end of your Barnet career, but we were at um, a game that sticks out, I think, for all three of us in our memories was Gainsborough Trinity away in the FA Cup. Um, and we didn't mention this at the start of the podcast before we kind of see how we go, but... We've actually had a chat, the three of us, with you uh, Tres, <laughs> at, at Games with Trinity away. And, and you have to let us indulge Which ourselves. Game? Which, game is this? Which game? Which game is this? 
Gainsborough Trinity away in the FA Cup. It was your second to last game for Barnet and you're on the bench. Um, against, against who? Gainsborough. Non yeah, we, we, we hadn't heard of them either. We'd Gainsborough. never heard of them before either. Like they were, it was, a, it was a, a, a weird one. It was like on, a, on a terrible pitch, raining, wet, windy. <laughs> Um, and, and for some reason, whatever, you were on the bench. Um, and it was a weird day that day. Like, so we were in the away end behind the goal and the away end had like a bar in it. And um, Magno Vieira and Jason Norville were both injured. And they were in the stand with us and they were chatting and they were being like, Jason Norville's doing chants. <laughs> Magno Vieira's by the fence, giving it to the home fans. Like it was, I don't know, it was a funny day. And then weirdly, like, because it wouldn't normally happen like this, the bar was by the, the touchline. You're warming up at the side. And I don't know how it's yeah. like, we, we'd had a few beers or whatever else, but we started chatting to you over the barrier. And, you know, 14 years on, I say thank you for being such a friendly guy that day that you turned around and, and we had like quite a bit of a conversation about, at the time actually, yeah. about how prison had been and whatever else. <laughs> yeah. um, is, that, is that me warming up? Is that me warming up in that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Up and then just took a bit of time out to have a yeah, chat. Yeah, we had a little chat on the side. Typical yeah. minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somewhere in the depths of somewhere, I've got a selfie of me, you, and another one of our mates. Um, I've got a lot more hair in that picture than I do now. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. sure, I'm the same, mate. Trust me. <laughs> but, um, you'd be surprised how many times that story of us having that chat has come out, at, you know, over drinks and just reminiscing as well. It's a very fond memory for all of us. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. No, I think that's it. That's it. I think for us, that's why, you know, you've got you know, a short Barnet career, but... You were great on the pitch, and I think that day at Gainsborough really kind of, for us, cemented you as a real favourite for us because you took the time to have a chat with us. You were really, really cool about everything. And then to top it all off, you come off the bench and scored two goals and put us through to the next round of the Cup. And that year, obviously, you went with us for the whole of it, but we managed to get to the fourth round for the first time ever. So, you know, you played your part in a bit of history there by putting us on our way. Um, but oh, oh, did that I, came on, I came on in that game. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was one all with about half an hour to go. And... Uh, I couldn't tell you you came on from off the top of my head, but you came on. And like I said, it's like one of those, it was definitely going the way of the non-league team, like rainy, dark, wet, cold, up north, <laughs> like not, not the conditions you want. And uh, you come on, scored two goals and won 3-1 and took us through. And then we had a really good cup run that year. So thank you for putting that route. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. You know, boy, I ain't, my memory's a bit gone about that one. Memories a bit gone about that game, seriously. To, to, to be fair, it was up north, so I, I, I don't, I don't uh, <laughs> probably forgive you for that one. Re- Thanks it's, for reminding me. <laughs> you're more than forgiven. It's a bit different from Ellen Road playing at a North Road <laughs> <in> Greensborough. Um, <laughs> not, not probably one of the standouts of your career, but a good day for us. We had a great day out. And, uh, well, thanks, here's, man. Cheers. For the thanks good chat. Um, which obviously kind of takes us, that was into your last week as the Barnet player. So you're okay. on the bench of that game, and the week after... Um, we had Rochdale at home, um, which I remember that game. I remember the Rochdale game. Yeah, I'm sure you do because obviously that you, you, you couldn't have signed <laughs> off in a better way. You know, you've come in on your debut and scored against Joe Hart, and you've left on a hat trick. So, in terms of an in and out at Barnet, it was pretty strong. Um, yeah. Prior to the game, did you know that a move to Leeds, or there was a few other clubs at the time being mooted around? Did you know oh, that, yeah, yeah. or were you just kind of doing your thing at the time? No, I knew it. I knew that time. I already knew I was gone. I knew I'd be gone. I basically I knew I'd be gone anytime, and uh, it was just it was just a matter of time. I was choosing which club really. Uh, I'd, yeah, there's a lot of clubs. It was Wolves, the Crystal Palace. It was this. It was the full of championship really. I had about yeah. ten clubs in the championship. Yeah, it was a lot of clubs, a lot of clubs. 
uh, yeah, coming into that game, I just knew, you know what, my agent was like, oh, I was like, well, I'm not gone yet. This, this is like, this is the week before. I'm not gone yet. <laughs> he's thinking, he's thinking, oh, wait, 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 there's one more game, just one more game, just smash this game, just smash one more game, smash one more game, and you know what, it's going to be done, it's going to be done. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Anyway, I'm happy to play anyway. So it was a bit like that. The situation was like that. Is that just like we knew there was a lot of people there and uh, it was time for a new chapter and, uh, after everything that's happened. And uh, I was going into that game freshly confident, crazy. My confidence was crazy. My confidence was crazy. And I was, that's the time I enjoyed my football so much. I really enjoyed it. I was enjoying it so much. I used like... I was coming into the pitch, I was looking at my teammates and we just knew what we had to do. And uh, it was good, man. We had a great relationship, me, especially the me and the midfielders. Especially, I'll talk about the midfielders any day of my life. I'll talk about them. I'll talk about Nicky Bailey. I'll talk about Mr. Punchton any day of my life. You know what I mean? It was great. And uh, Mr. What's his name again? Andy. Andy Hasenteller. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that legend guy. That ledge, he was a ledge. Now, you see him? This guy was a ledge. People didn't know how good this guy could see you from one eye and just pick you up. People couldn't tell. But you, as, as a striker, as I am a striker, I always look at the midfield of which we can just click. And this guy had uh, one thing that he can just click and just see what you can do and he would just put you in. And, I mean, he, because obviously he had, he had experience and everything. He didn't have the legs to run all the way like all the boys. But he had to get the ball and he just used one eye and you just know what he's going to do next. And things like that only happens to a few players that can click like that. And uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a good midfielders behind me, so I really knew. I just it was they made it easier for me. To be fair, it did make it easier for me. And that's why man's loved the keeper like that when he was against Rochdale. <laughs> at the top. I remember that goal. That's the only. I think that's the only goal. I, no, I remember Mister. I remember Andy crossing it to me on my header. On the last goal was it Andy that crossed it to me? Andy crossed it and I headed it in. Yeah, they were on Twitter the other week, those goals. So they're out there somewhere. Um, yeah. And uh, I remember one goal was uh, Nicky Beatty played over the top. And uh, I ran and I loved the keeper. I just loved him. I remember that one. I can't remember the other goal, though. I we'll find the video. We'll, we'll dig out the video. We'll send them all. <laughs> send them all to me. Send them all. Put them all together and send them. <laughs> yeah, we will. Thank you. So we, we've already mentioned Leeds, and I think under different circumstances, we probably would have said, how amazing was it to play for Barnet at Ellen Road? How, how exciting was the ground and, and all those kind of things? But of course, um, after that Rochdale game, very, very soon after, you move on loan to, initially on loan uh, yeah. to Leeds. Um, look, I don't know how, this is a Barnet-focused podcast, but of course, a, a move from Barnet to Leeds is a huge thing, and I think it would be, it would be silly not to mention it and talk about it. What... what um, how big was that move for you? And, and was that an exciting period of time f for your life following on from there? Yeah, uh, very exciting. And, uh, and I think the time came. The time came. I think the time came for me to go somewhere. Because we're talking about league. We're talking about from League Two, not League One, but straight to Championship. And when you're talking about championship, you're talking about Leeds United, you know what I mean? You're talking about Leeds United. I'm like, wow, hold on. Hold on. Two, two, what, a year ago, I was playing for what? I was playing for Farrakh. A year and a half ago, I was, I was a Farrakh. You know what I mean? That's the way to see it. And that's the way I looked at it. Even though Barnet, well, I put my hands up to anything, you know what? I always say that Barnet, I've had so many interviews saying, you know, Barnet, that's the club. The club that, 
had a faith on me. They've had, they've done it. Mr. Furcloth has done it for me. Mr. Clough, Mr. Furcloth, he opened his arms for me to be blessed. You know what I mean? Me, that's it. I'm happy, very, thank you very much to Barney. Thank you to Mr. Furcloth. Thank you to the people that was there behind me. But then it was time. I spoke to him. I took my time to speak to him. He goes, Trez, I know you're enjoying your football here. Don't you want to play football? I was like, yes, I do want to play football. But it was time for me to challenge myself in the championship and see how good I was to be there, to see there, to be part of that, them type of clubs. I think that's why people play football before. You know I mean, even if he was any of us, even if, he, even if I was his son, I think he would, he would have told me, you know what, go and test yourself out of there. And I think it was time. So it was exciting, man. It was crazy. Yeah. Crazy exciting. It was crazy exciting. I was like, I'm coming to the club. I'm, I'm driving up there with my agent and I'm shaking. I'm there, I'm shaking. I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm going to hear this accent again. I'm going to be talking to these guys with the accent again. But this time it was like, I've had a little experience about with the accent and that. So this was like the second time. So this time I'm expecting it. Because the first time I didn't expect it was like, you're just coming up to North and you're just thinking, yeah, from London, from London, all of a sudden, yeah, no, no. I'm thinking, rah, what is this guy talking about? But this time it was a different experience. This time, this time now you're expecting it. You know it's going to come up. So you kind of know you're prepared. Coming up to the stadium. Oh, my God. I'm coming up to the stadium. I'm sitting there for about five hours, six hours for them to do the deal at the stadium. I'm sleeping on the sofa, waking up. Myself, this is it. I'm looking at the pitch here from the stand all the way to the top. And I'm looking at the pitch and I'm saying to myself, what am I doing here? This is not for me. <laughs> uh, I, so if I said to my agent, no, this is, nah, this is too big. That was it really, but that was just a talk, isn't it? But that's the talk, that's the impression you get when, you're, when you see it. But once you're in there, once you start doing the work, once you're in there, you forget all this. Everything just becomes normal. Everything, everything just becomes natural to you. And uh, that's how it was. It was very exciting, yeah. Yeah, it must have been. We sort of talked about, talk, sort of talked about Darlington being, you know, a big stadium with no one in it. But then Leeds, with yeah. the history, the heritage of that yes. club, the, yes. the stadium yes. of that size, and obviously the crowds to go with it, that must have been yes. for you an unbelievable experience. Every time you step and the players, the one thing people forget is the players, because you look at a team, you not forget. Oh, we going, we go there, we or we jump on. I sometimes, what would I do? I think when I was making my way there. I think my agent had a match program. He had one match program from Leeds. And I was looking at the team sheet. I was looking at the team sheet. And I was like, damn. I see Gary Kelly. Yeah. And I'm, looking at, mm-hmm. I'm saying to myself, Jesus, what, what am I doing here, man? This is Gary Kelly we're talking about here. I'm looking at the goalkeeper. I'm looking at Neil Sullivan. And I'm like, damn. So this is the guy I was at school. I used to watch these guys on for a match of the day. You know what I mean? Not even long ago I was watching. I, still, I was still watching this match playing the Champions League. Isn't it? So it was things like this. This is the sort of things that makes you feel like, you know what? Okay, this is you now. You're, you're in a different, different place now. This is actually a different league now we're talking about. So I had to get myself ready. I had to get myself ready. On the team, in the team, when you look at the names, you're thinking to yourself, oh, wow, this is a different league. But as like I said to you earlier, it's like once you're there, you sit there once to you start training, you start moving around, doing your thing. All these things goes in your head. It just, you're just there, now. You just you're just there with them now. You just mix up, mix up with all these guys. Was was it a big change in your life, Trezor? 
big change like uh what like, do you mean big change i suppose like so you you know i i guess when you're at barnet yeah people will yeah. know your name you, you you might be on tv and highlights and stuff like that but when yeah. you when you move yeah. to a club like leeds it's, it's got to be a game changer right it's got to be a, just personally yeah. everything's got to be changed yes oh if you say like that then yeah 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent uh everything just changes i can't <laughs> i feel a bit shy to talk about all this uh kind of material <laughs> stuff like that you know what i mean he's not well i can't talk about them sort of things but things do change when it's just i'm coming up to the car park and i'm like okay because i'm just I'm, I'm one of them people i've just been in love with cars i love cars that's that's me from yeah. since i was a kid because my dad my dad is one of them you know one of them parents like he's always been in mechanics so he's always doing cars. He's always having cars. He's always got three cars outside the house. My mom's got two cars. Yeah, my mom's got two cars and my dad's got two cars. My dad's got three cars. So we always got four cars outside the house and stuff. So I grew up like that. Dad has always had an old trader. You see that magazine, that old trader? That big yeah, magazine yeah, yeah. that comes up every month. It, doesn't, it used to come up what, every two months, three months? Every month? I forgot. But he always used to buy the magazines there. So he always used to room. Oh, these guys are annoying, man. These guys always looking at cars. So that's my that's the lifestyle we I grew up into. I grew up into. So cars was it's always been a part of my life. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. No, we got we got your dress. Okay. Yeah. 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 So the first thing that when I got to the training ground, this was I'm talking about. Now, I come into the changing uh, the training ground. I'm coming to the training ground, and that's when I see all the cars now. That's the first time I'm meeting up all the players, and I see the first thing before you go in the change rooms. Obviously, it's a car park. I'm coming to the car park. And I'm seeing the first one, I'm seeing a G-Wagon. I said, my training, training ground, I see a G-Wagon from Gary Kelly. <laughs> I see a G-Wagon. And I'm looking at G-Wagon, I'm like, okay, this world, you know what I mean? And I'm just looking at everybody else. It was amazing. I mean, looking at the cars, because that's me. I had to look at the cars. I looked at all the cars and I thought, okay, it's a life changing. If you're talking about life changing, when things, you see things like that from the outside already, it's life changing. In the, the club, the way... Everything is about it's the story about the club, the history about the club. Uh, he, someone's gonna say to you, "Oh, you was playing for, you was playing for Farrakh, and you was playing for, you came to play for Dagnon Redbridge." Mm-hmm. You can respect to all these clubs. Those, all of them, they did, they, they bring out a lot out of me. You know, what I mean, they bring out the best out of me. Respect to all these clubs. But when you talk about changing your, obviously changing your, it's a life changing, like you said. You can't say no. You have to say yes. In so well, many different departments, you know what I mean? we, we were looking on on Wikipedia and and, and googling and whatever else because you, you know to, to look at your career and whatever else. And Wikipedia says you also made an international appearance for Congo around that kind of yes. time. Is that is that yes, true? And that must have been unbelievable. Yes. yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. They didn't mention it. I scored one goal, and they never mentioned it. It was a friendly game. I scored one goal <laughs> in a Wikipedia. That Wikipedia completely left it out. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if it was a friend. I don't know if the friendly don't count. I don't I know. We'll, one we'll, 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 we'll change it if we have to. We'll, we'll, we'll write it. <laughs> yeah. So I think I played. It was crazy. It was cr- I always used to hear about people playing for international and stuff like that. So obviously you hear these things. You know what I mean? You he- you're always going to hear these things. But when it comes to you, when people call you, there's a call up. I've been mean, have a call up. I'm thinking, what do you mean you had a call up? You know what I mean? What they, back then, I never really knew what do you mean about call up. What, how do you call you? Do they call your phone? Like that. You know what I mean? It's one of them things where you just learn along the way. 
You know what I mean? So when I got my call up, I was like, okay, I got to call up my agent. So I called my agent and I said to him, look, oh, I need to play for my country, man. He was like, Trez, are you joking, right? Well, how did you get that? I said, yeah, I got a call up from him. Yeah, I got a call him from the, from the president. <laughs> and uh, I'm talking about the president. And he wow. the president wants to speak to you. He wanted to speak to me and he wants to bring me to the country. Yeah, I need to play for Congo. I'm like, okay, what's the game? The next game is going to be in about three weeks' time. And I'm telling you, I'm there shivering. I'm, I'm there shivering. I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm is anxious or I'm nervous. Put them both together. And I was just like, I can't wait for this to happen. How does it feel to be playing for consoles? Now, I start going into YouTube, checking all the international games, checking all the international games, checking all the Congo national games, high runs, uh, who's who, who's who, who's who. And I mean, from the players, from the, the staff rooms, and you start checking... So at least you have a little clue. At least you have a little knowledge about who you're going to be facing and who you're going to be meeting. That's how it was. And it was really crazy, man. But it was such a great experience. That was one amazing experience, man. One amazing experience. You start meeting up against, playing against uh, some great teams. Uh, to be fair, I've only had three games. I only had three games because that's when I got started getting my injuries. And that's when I started getting my injuries. So games for Congo because of a lot of my injuries and that. But I had three games uh, I played three games yeah I remember we played once I remember we played against Togo and that was against Adebayo wow. Adebayo was playing again yeah Adebayo that's boy. you know what in the whole time I can remember because I remember when he was walking up I'm like this guy's <laughs> walking up you can just tell okay there's somebody coming <laughs> everybody else came out first and he's probably the last one walking into the stadium and we were standing, you know when you were checking the pitch just before the game when we just have a little walk on around the pitch yeah. and you're checking the pitch. And that's when this guy is walking over with his bag, his wash bag, and he's walking over. He's thinking, okay, yeah, this is the man <laughs> right here. There's nobody else there. He's the man right here. <laughs> yeah, he was like that. He was like that. You're just looking at him thinking, okay, that's the man. Yeah, yeah, he's the main man. <laughs> Experience, man. I've learned so much. I think playing a national team, yeah, he made me a better player playing for Leeds as well. It gave me this extra confidence. It gave me, it, it actually did. I learned from the players around the national team. It, when I was coming back to the games again, when I, when I was leaving the national team, coming back to Leeds, I was like a better player every time. I felt like I was always better. I was always a better player. I always got it. I learned, got the confidence, got a little experience from the players I was playing for the national team and stuff. And when I come back, I was always like, a, I felt like I was always a better player. Hey, uh, at Leeds, I, I've just looked up a bit uh, in the, Pre to this, they they proper loved you, and uh, there was a song about playing for Brazil rather than Congo, as I recall. So popular with the Leeds fans as well. So it's not only going to a massive club, but actually, you know, the, the fans there I think regard you really highly, and like you know, you were part of a, a, a bit of a time in their history, like up and down. But um, you obviously made a big impact on the the Leeds fans. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was good, man, because. It was great. I think the reason why it got to the point where they made a great song about me and uh, it was like that towards me, I think it was from the first game. Because don't forget when I got to Leeds, obviously I scored on my debut. I scored on my debut for Leeds uh, against Bonsley. Yeah. Uh, I scored on my debut at home against Leeds. That's, that's when I was, I was still on loan. And then uh, I didn't get many games when I was on loan, really. I was coming on. I, I didn't get many games. But then obviously the club knew they was going down. We knew Leeds would go down. So, um, uh, Dennis Wise, Dennis Wise as a manager, he realised like he had to keep me 
so I can be prepared and get ready to play for in League One. And uh, as we stayed in League One, don't forget we had the minus 15. Was it minus 15? Yeah, we started season, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we started the season minus 15 points, mate. And the minus 15 points, I was the first person to score a goal as the first game. Uh, again, I think it was against Tranmere, or we had Tranmere. I don't know, was that the first one? I scored a winning goal. I scored a winning goal, not the first goal. I think the goal, well, the game was, uh, we won 2 1. I think it was a draw. And then the last, I think I scored like in the last five, the last minute or something like that. I scored a little header. Uh, yeah. And that was like, we had like, from then it was like, well, mine is obviously, our minus kept on going down bit by bit. That was from then, <laughs> that's the Leeds fans started really getting close to me. It was from that game when, we were, when I scored a winning goal. It was good. Wasn't Jermaine Beckford there at the time as well? Because Jermaine Beckford was there before me. Jermaine Beckford was there before me. He was there. He he was there before me. Yes, he was there before me. I seem to remember there was there was a situation where he may have come to Barnet, and it was on deadline day, and um, the story went that no one could get hold of him. I think he'd heard he might get a deal with Barnet, so he turned his phone off or something. (laughs) (laughs) Was that was that was that was that as he was a Leeds player or before he goes to Leeds? When he was at Leeds, because I think he, I think he's from Wealdstone or something like that. He's from yeah, you know, no, he was playing for Wealdstone. He played for Wealdstone. That's I it. We man. looked at him as well before. I think before Leeds got him, we were trying to trying to. Okay. Get him. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe because he because he, he went on loan. Because when I got there, yeah. he went on loan. He went on loan to what's that team that that dressed up in purple, purple and blue? Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe. That's <laughs> it. He went to Scunthorpe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's when he turned his phone off. He thought Scumfort was more yeah. happy than Barnet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking I don't know. I don't know about the story. I don't know about the story. But if he's if he had to go on loan, maybe it was that time when he went to Scumfort. But when he went to Scumfort, this guy smashed it. Yeah, I mean, we always knew how good it was. He's a good Benny player. Now. We always knew how good. He's a he's a banger. This guy. This guy is he's the best striker I played with. I played as a best partner. I've played with. I'm not gonna lie to you guys here. Yeah? I'm not gonna lie to people, but Cliff Akran, Cliff Akran made me, made me. I don't know if I can say he made me the player I am today, but Cliff Akran he did play a massive role in my in my career, in my football life. From the day I'm talking about from the beginning, because he was like a little number ten, and I was like a number nine, and they used to call us Dwyer York and they used to call us Dwyer York and Andy Cole. When we used to play for the youth team and that, yeah, and, uh, we, we love Cliff. Yeah, Cliff didn't maybe have the same prolific record you had at Barnet, but I think Barnet yeah, fans. He was not. Cliff has never been. Cliff, you know what? Cliff has never been like a. Cliff is like a Firmino. You know how Firmino plays for, <laughs> how he plays for Liverpool. Yeah, Cliff was yeah. like. I know Cliff has always been like that. From the youth team, he's always been like that. So Cliff has never been where he only concentrates on goals. He, Cliff was more of a, a round player. He'll get his goals, but he was... I've never seen him play for Barney, to be fair. I didn't see him play, but as a, as a player that I've known for so many years, as a player that I've known for so many years, I always knew that's like... Even when I played against him at Fulham, you're going to see his record and my record is always going to be different when we was playing there. But he was always scoring goals, but he was more of a round player and he had this... He will find you. He's like a little bird camp behind you. He was, he's always going to find me. He's always going to find me. So this guy... Everywhere I played, and I always looked good because he knew how to he knew how to play with me. He made me good basically because he knew how to play with me. You know what I mean, sometimes people don't say these kind of things because they always think that they only think that they're only good. I'm only good because I'm good. 
I don't believe in that in football. I believe people, you, you, people make you a better player. People do make people better players. People around you make you a better player. But people don't seem to see that. You know what I mean? So that's why I always go to Cliff because Cliff was actually, he's always been a great player around me. And, uh, to, boy, that's, 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 that's one thing I just wanted to... I have to say about about Sorry. about Cliff as well. I remember remember speaking to him at a Player of the Year do, and I remember um, seeing him interviewed a fair t- a few times. And he he always came across like an absolute gentleman every time that we'd encountered him. Really, yes. really lovely guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy, proper laid back guy. He was so laid back. He's so laid back, but he's amazing. But he's always been. I mean, I always go, I always got respect for this guy. He's always been. I know his career maybe might not seem the way I'm talking about. It. Yeah, but as a player that I know, he could have been he could have been played in a much much better, higher level, and uh, I know how good he was anyway. No one, there's no one there to explain to me how good Cliff was. I know how good he was, how, how important he was for for any team he was playing for. So let's go back to, to okay, let's go back to Leeds. Bear, he was talking about uh, Beckford when he was supposed to come to Barney. I think he went to yeah, he went to Scunthorpe and he done he smashed it, and that's when I was on loan. That was when I, when I was on loan. I was on loan at Leeds, and then in the season after when. He, Season finished. We went down to League One, League One, and that's when he came up. He came back, and I came back, and then that's when we started to do nothing together. But he's one guy that helped me a lot, you know, to set all down in Leeds. He was the person that helped me a lot. We actually was we was neighbours. We were neighbours. He's the one that helped me to find a flat, to find a flat in Leeds. He took me to the agency. Go and find a flat at the rent and that. Okay, I'm gonna help you to do this. Get this number. Speak to this person. He was my neighbour actually. He's like, we used to jump in the same car every. Morning to go to training ground because he was my neighbor, Jermaine Beckford. So he's the one that really helped me to settle down. He was like a, it's like you come to a club. There's one, there's always that one person you click first with. That's that happens to everyone. There's always that one person that understands you more than everyone else. You know what I mean? So he was the one that made me feel home. Hey, sounds like a top man. Sounds sounds like you had a a great time at Leeds and um, you know met a met a lot of good good uh, good people and you know had a good record there and the fans sort of you know, respected and revered you as well. Um, obviously, they dropped into, dropped into League One. And then for you personally, you had um, sort of loan spells at Millwall and at Charlton. Uh, what yes, were those experiences yes. like for you to play for, to play for those two clubs, obviously back in London, sort of nearer to home? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I just wanted to play, man. The first thing I was just thinking about, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play because... Uh, when it came to that time, I think at least I wasn't getting many games because uh, I think it was Simon, Simon Grayson. Simon Grayson was the manager at Leeds at the time and uh, he didn't give me many games, you know, even though, I don't know if I don't, I don't know if I'll call it personal, but obviously he was the manager at the time. He just never gave me that much, that much, I'm talking about much of opportunity. And uh, Gary McAllister that came over, he just never believed in me. He just never, ever believed in me one bit. You know when you just know when you know you know this guy this guy ain't got time for you. <laughs> Which I find it normal sometimes, you know. Sometimes it's normal. Some people they like to bring their own players. You know that some people they love to bring their own players. Some managers they just love to bring their own players and uh, I think that was the case with me. Yeah. Um Jermaine you could just not drop Jermaine. You could not drop him. Jermaine was like the season before he was uh, the player of the year. So if you drop Jermaine it's like you're getting sacked mate because he was just smashing it for Leeds. This guy, this guy was scoring goals for. He can score a goal from the corner flag. This guy, you can shoot from anywhere. We just the ball just go in. So 
uh, yeah, so this guy probably just believe in me. He didn't believe in my maybe just my style of playing. I don't know. Maybe just me. He didn't believe in me anyway. So that's when I went there. I decided to go somewhere and just play. I didn't care where to play. I just thought, I just thought, you know what? Let me go somewhere and play. And for some reason, it was in the same league. I think I went to Millwall. Before I go to Millwall, back then Dennis Wise left. Dennis Wise left. He left Leeds. And uh, when he left Leeds, I had to call him because he. I remember he was a. He knew a bit about Millwall. And um, I called Dennis Wise and uh, I just told him, you know what, I need to go on loan somewhere. So where would I go, man? Where would I go? And uh, he goes to me, yeah, you can go to Millwall. Millwall's a decent club. Yeah, you go there. You're going to be local. It's going to be good for you. The fans will be crazy, Trez, but don't worry about that. You're going to be all right. <laughs> you're going to be all right. You've got a great character as a person. So you're going to be able to handle that. We know you well. You're going to be able to handle that. I was like, okay, cool. I'll get a word because I really got on well with Dennis Wise. That's one guy. I love this guy. I just love him. I love this guy. Yeah, I love this guy. There's no many words to say. I just love this guy, Dennis Wise, and, and the God's poet. They were brilliant to me, man. I love mm. them too. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's the reason. That's the main reason why I chose Millwall because Dennis Wise, because it was Dennis Wise. So when I went there, I looked at the season before, and his team was like hanging by the bottom in League One. I was like, oh, I don't want to go to a team where we're struggling again, man. You know, one of them ones where you're just thinking, I hate one of them ones where you're always 18. Yeah. You're always 16th and 17th. But you're always fight, fighting for the relegations. Yeah. I'm like, sometimes when you, don't, when you do that, it's like, you don't bring out the best out of you. I'm thinking, okay, I was playing for Leeds where we're always like looking for to win the league. We're always fighting to win the league. And, and now I'm going to come to a team where last season, I'm looking at them last season. We played against them last season and we smashed them last season. And uh, we probably, they, were, they finished like 18 for They was like bottom of the league last season, the season before that. And then I thought to myself, you know what? Yeah, okay, let me just go with the word of Dennis Wise. Let me just go there and get many games. Get as many games as possible. So, yeah, so I went to see the manager. You imagine inviting me to his house. Uh, we had a good chat. And he was a bit like Mr. Perkloff. He was just like, you know what? I just wanted to play. I like how you play. I know you well. I've known you for a long time. So just go there. Just do what you got to do. Just enjoy yourself. He, he was like that. So when I went to Millwall, I was playing for Millwall. And that's how I was playing. He reminded me how I was playing for Barnet. I was playing like that. I was playing without somebody telling me, you know what, do that. You can't come down there. You can't go left. Because that was the situation with Leeds. Some of the managers I was playing for, it was more of them telling you what to do because they believe you can do that. But maybe they're looking at more of your size. They're thinking, oh, Trez is big. Trez is this. Trez is always going to be getting them long balls. Then this, Trez, don't come back short. Don't do this. Don't do that. Trez, don't do that. So it was the way you can't really find a way to express yourself. That's how it was a bit with me. It got to a point like that with Leeds. I had to play a style where I was not comfortable with it. So he got to the bit where I felt like this guy they didn't believe I could have done. They didn't give me the confidence to do what I know I can do, like these other managers they do. Yeah. Uh, so when I came to Millwall, it was like that. You know what, just go and do what you got. So when I was playing for Millwall, I was playing me. I was not playing because somebody was telling me, stay left, go right, stay on top, don't come back this take two touch only you don't play many touches it wasn't like that you were just me playing me and that was a great time I loved it it was around the corner from home I was there in Stratford I was just getting across the Blackwood Tunnel and I was in Millwall so it was good for me so I was like okay I'm gonna go there and this time I'm coming to a team where last season it was like fine for relegation and I'm, I'm playing the first half of the this season and before I leave this team they like in a, uh, I think it was like third I think we were like third Third or fourth, but basically it was like top five. Yeah. And that made that made a difference. And that says it all. 
that says it all. They brought in, they didn't bring in many players. They brought me in. They brought maybe maybe two, three players. Two, three players that was regular. I'm talking about the people that were starting a game, not people that were seated, that was on the bench. I'm talking about the people that was playing regular in the first team. It was maybe just me, and they probably just changed about two or three players. But it was a massive difference. And uh, we done well. I enjoyed myself, and it was good. Yeah, was good. Was if we skip ahead a little bit, in, in you know, after Millwall and Charlton, and then you leave Leeds, and then I've got to say, and I'm 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 going to back myself as not the only sad Barnet fan who's kind of looked you up and thought, oh, it's weird what happened to Trezor Candle's career at the end, who you know did so well, and we kind of followed doing well at a higher level. That you know, you went to Spain for a little bit um, for Albacete, yeah, yeah. I think. And then, and then, yeah. There's another story about nearly signing for Plymouth and upsetting Peter Reid a little bit, from what you can read online. Um, I don't yeah. know those blanks for us a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I went to Spain. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I did. Uh, sorry, it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a bit out of order. Sorry, it's gonna be a bit out of order for me not to mention uh, Charlton. Of course. I did have a okay. Yeah. Good time at Charlton. I had a good time. Mr. Parkinson. He's another guy that I really love. This guy had great respect for me, and I respect this guy. I had good love for this guy. Mr. Parkinson, he gave me time to play. And uh, this time I'm talking about, okay, I was in League One, and then I go on loan. They sent me on loan to a championship club. I mean, that's proof. That says, oh, that proves like, that proves that somebody was doing something well in the League One when I was at Millwall. So mm-hmm. I went on loan to a championship club, which was Charlton, and he was just round the corner as well. So anyway, it was a good time, but I think the time the club was struggling a little bit, so the relegation from then, and uh, I scored like, probably, like two goals. And uh, in as many games as what, maybe 10 games. And uh, he wasn't good. The team wasn't really, it wasn't what we were expecting. So that's what happened. Yeah, then after that, then I went to, I decided to leave Leeds. I think my time was short. I just had to cut off my contract. I didn't even finish with the contract. I think I cut off my contract with Leeds because I just well, I had to leave and I just go and find myself somewhere to play. With everything that happened in England, this opportunity that came to me from one guy that knew me quite well from England, he's watched so many of my games because he got a time to speak to me, showed me so many of my videos, and I was like, wow, so this guy really knows me. This guy can trust me. And uh, I started getting these injuries from uh, uh, from Leeds already. I was out. I, did, uh, I ripped my finger, my hamstring, my right hamstring for, I was out for a good eight months, eight, eight seven months I was out. Yeah, I was out. And then when I go, I started getting fit. I think I forced myself too quick. I forced myself too quick as I was playing and I decided to leave the club. And as I left, as I decided to leave the club, I wasn't fully fit. My leg was still a little bit stiff most of the time when I was sitting down, even when I was jogging. And then when I took this challenge, I knew I had a massive challenge behind me, even though my leg wasn't 100%. But I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to start training slowly, building it up. And then get into my fitness and do what I can do in the Spanish league. Uh, this was like a Segunda League. It was in uh, it was Division Two. Basically, it was a championship of uh, yeah, yeah. League. It was Abafete. Yeah, I went to yeah. Abafete. It was a great reception, you know. I had a great reception. Come there, and I'm coming to preseason. <laughs> I guess what happens to me? I played the first game. I scored in the first game in a, in a friendly game. I scored the first game. I thought to myself, you know what? I can feel my leg is pulling. You know when your hamstring is not being it's been yeah. there for so long. I'm forcing myself because I don't want to quit. I've been out of the game for so long, and I'm saying to myself, Trez, okay, I don't want to show these guys that I'm. Re- I want to basically. I think I'll, I'll say it was my own fault. All this that everything that's happened to me, I would say it was my own fault because I always wanted to prove myself. It got to the point where even at Leeds, when I wasn't playing many games, 
Uh, and when I will get an opportunity to play, even if I'm injured, I'll just play. I'll, fo I'll force myself to play, even if I'm, my leg is not well. I'll just force myself. And that's what happened to me. I was forcing myself to prove myself to the people that thought, oh, nah, he's not, he's not there. He's not supposed to be here. So when I'll get an opportunity, I'll just say to myself, you know what, I'm fit. Yes, I'm fit. I'll play. But inside of me, I knew I couldn't even run properly. I couldn't even sprint properly because my leg was pulling. My hamstring was always stiff. So when I went to Leeds, that's, after my operation, my first operation at Tuz Avafete, as that was after my first operation, after eight months, I came there, my first season game I scored, my leg was very stiff, I kept it quiet from the from the physio, because I just thought, you know what, yeah, let me just go on, let me just carry on like this, let me carry on. I didn't think this was going to happen to me for the second time, and for the second time this happened to me my first, in training, come training on Tuesday, and I ripped my hamstring again at Leeds, and I lay down on the floor and out. And I was out. And the treatment in Lee, in uh, the treatment in Abafeta in uh, in Spain, I'm telling you guys, that's an advice I'll give to anyone, somebody. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the top teams. I don't know if you're talking about the top teams in La Liga. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Abafetes. I'm talking about Abafetes' uh, uh, treatment. He was crazy, unbelievable, poor. <laughs> he destroyed me. He was so poor. I'm telling you. I, I've never seen something like it. It got to the point where I asked them to take me back to Leeds. I asked them to take me back to Leeds, to travel back to Leeds so I can get treatment at Leeds because that's where I got my first treatment when I was there. Because I had my first my hamstring ripped in Leeds and uh, obviously it took me eight months to come back to my fitness. If I took my time to relax and take another, maybe, maybe another two months off and take it properly, relax properly, I would have been all right. But, but I forced myself because like I told you, like, by the way, the war was going on with me, I forced myself. And now when it came to Spain, the treatment, it, was not, it, wasn't, it wasn't even a treatment. It's hard for you guys to believe this because people won't believe what I was going through. My cousin that came to see me because he heard I wasn't well, he came to see me. So he used to come to the training ground and he used to see what they're making someone do when somebody's got a ripped up hamstring. What they're making you do, you think it to yourself, well, what are you doing here? I spoke to my agent. My agent was like, you know what, I'm going to come there. My agent came from all the way from London, come to Spain, come to the training ground when he saw it with his own eyes he was like Trez let's leave let's go forget about this contract let's leave and that's what happened because the treatment was crazy if I would have stayed there for extra longer I don't know what would have happened to me so I decided to leave I decided to leave but I was there for a good four months so this after four months and my leg was just getting worse to worse it was nothing happening I was not getting any treatment at all I was coming there they were given an elastic band and just changed to pull your leg in and they're telling you to jog around the pitch when you're limping. They're jogging, they're making me jog around the pitch just to keep it moving. Wow. Oh, you know what? You need to keep your leg moving. You can't keep still, you need to keep it moving. So you need to be jogging. How can you jog when you can see someone limping and you see him jogging and you can't even, I can't even move the hamstring properly. It was just crazy. It's unbelievable. It's only, it's only until I spoke to my agent and when he came and he saw it with his own eyes, that's when he decided, you know what? Terminate his contract, go back to England and go and get treatment. And that's what happened. So basically in Spain, I didn't do anything. So when I came to to England, I went to France. I had to pay for my own treatment. No, I went to, yeah, I, I was in France trying to pay for my own treatment, but the treatment was too expensive. I was trying to, I went to, I think I was trying to find this Paris Saint Germain physio to give me treatment, but expensive. It was just extra expensive. It was like, you're paying something like 250 a day for one hour. Yeah. And I'm like, damn. Yeah, so I've done that for a week and I was to myself, that's only one week. How much have I paid? <laughs> I thought to myself, you know what, I'm giving up. I'm giving up. I can't carry on. So I can't. Back to England, I went back to Charlton. Charlton did give me a help. 
they did give me help. They did give me some food treatment and that stuff like that. Gosh, left and right. They did help me for a good maybe three weeks or one month. And um, when I was there, I was getting fit. Then I got a call from Plymouth. Oh, my agent was like, you know what? It is Plymouth. They're interested in you. What do you think about this? And now what do you think? People don't seem to know the full story. It's like, I don't, I knew I wasn't fully fit. I knew I wasn't fit. And they was looking to bring me over, make me play, sign a deal. If I wasn't any other player, maybe, well, okay, maybe not any, but if I was a lot of them hung players out there, they would just take the money and just sign a contract and pretend like they're fine. And they just end up just falling on the floor after two days and say they're injured from then. But when they was injured, maybe four months before, I could have done that. So that's what happened. But I know Mr. Reed never got to understand why or what happened, but that's what happened. I just told him, I told him I wasn't fully fit. And uh, I wasn't, a, at first I told him I wasn't a come. I'll come over. So they was ready to get me on, someone to pick me up at the station, at the airport, this and that. that prepared. And I called him the day before. I said to him, you know what, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not fit. I'm not fit. I'm not going to come and just take the money and sign the deal. Because it was not a trial. It was not as if like they're going to make me trial, make me play a game of a trial. Oh, it was just me coming and signing a deal and get my place, get a hotel and then start training tomorrow. So if I would have done that, I would be getting paid. I would have signed maybe a two-year deal, one-year deal and get paid what, two grand, uh, two, two and a half grand. I think it was like two and a half grand a week in League Two. And I thought to myself, that's, that obviously that's, a, that's, that's, that's not a bad payment for, for a League Two club. But then I thought to myself, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that just to sit there when I'm injured and I can't even run properly? Why would I just go and sign the deal? And that's what happened. And... Uh, and not many people know that story, and that's that's that was the reason why I didn't go to Plymouth because that's good to throw that out there, Trezor, because I know Plymouth had a lot of financial troubles around that yeah. time. I remember there was a story that Peter Reid sold some of his like England caps for like charity, yes. he gave it all to Plymouth. So um, it's a shame that that's not more out there for certainly like Plymouth Argyle fans to know that actually you probably saved them even more of a financial burden. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Uh-huh. Obviously, yeah. Plymouth, and again, we're kind of relying on the internet to kind of tell us, but. Was that was the injury what kind of told you that that was it time to kind of go? Because I, I saw you play for Hampton and Richmond for a little bit. Wikipedia tells us you played for Hampton yeah. in 2015 as well. Um, but was the injury where, kind of where did I go to? It says on Wikipedia Hackney Wick, which is like really low level. I don't know. No, no, I never, no, I never been to Hackney Wick. No, that's my little cousin that runs it. Little cousin, he's my cousin. My cousin Bobby Kazanga, Bobby Kazanga is the one that runs that. He runs the that club, the Hackney Week. So he invited me to come to the club. Yeah. He invited me to come to the club. Oh, just come and help and now come and come to the club later. So I was like, okay, obviously I would come. So what he did, he put it out in the newspapers, like, yeah, we got Mr. Trezor Sanders <laughs> the club. So I've never even, I, I didn't even turn up. That's how bad it was. I've never even been, I didn't even go. I've never seen anything. So some people have asked me that before. And uh, yeah, I've never been there. I've never been back. But when it comes to Hampton and Richmond, yes, I did. I was there for maybe two weeks. I think two weeks. I was there for two weeks. Just when I thought to myself, you know what? Let me just go somewhere and keep fit. You know, you're just thinking, because you, you love the game. You're thinking, yeah, I'm getting back to my leg. My leg is getting better. So let me just go somewhere and just, you know what I mean? Let me try, let me just kick this again. Let me try, let me try if I can do this again. You know what I mean? It wasn't nothing to do with me trying to get back into football, like a, trying to get back into football. It was more of a, I love the game and let me go somewhere so I can play again. You know I mean, let me go back to that, 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 that wave, the wave, the feeling where you wake up in the morning, you go side the game in the afternoon. I just wanted to get back into that somewhere. But then my leg was just not there. I was just not there. I forced it too much, but 
I didn't get enough of a quality treatment when I was in Spain and it just I just got a serious damage damage leg it was really bad back then and we're talking about when we're talking about that we're talking we're still talking about back in 2011 you know yeah. the story I'm talking about is 2011 that's when I left Albafete that's when I left Spain so it was really bad so yeah after two years I think after a couple of years after that I went to yeah Hampton and Richmond I thought you know what let me go back and play again let me try and play again that's what it was so I was there for about two weeks I was about and after that Game over till now. <laughs> so, so that wrapped up football for you, Trez. Um, what, what, uh, lots of different people fall out of football in different ways. What, yeah. What's life uh, treated you to uh, since you uh, came out of football? Well, things are not. Oh, it, well, oh, I don't know if I can call it depression. It's not depression. It's like it's more like. I'm looking at it thinking I could have done, I could have achieved so much if uh, I never got an injury. And I think to myself, I was looking, I was looking at the Spanish league, you know, that the second division. I was looking at it, and I was looking at the way people play, and that's what I like to see. You know what I mean? I like to see this. Like I said to you before, them lot over there is all about technique. It's all about being technical. It's all been, it's all about technique. So people are just like technically. We can't compare ourselves to them Spanish players, man. No way. No <laughs> way, no way near it. I'm coming to the training ground. I'm like, yeah, I'm a big man, innit? I'm a big man from London. Yes. I've been in London. <laughs> from London. And these man's are doing two touches. I'm like, I can't even fucking touch the ball. Sorry about mm-hmm. my word. Sorry about that. I'm like, I can't go near these players. And these guys are all out. Like, they're all out. Like, they're all out like five foot, five foot ten, five foot seven. Five. I'm like, I can't go near them. You can't go near them. These guys are crazy. These guys are crazy where you got a center back, he's taking free kicks. That's why you see someone like Sergio Ramos, he's like a center back that takes penalties and that takes free kicks. It's like that. So you don't know who's a striker. When you come to the training ground, you can't tell who's a striker, who's a defender, who's a midfielder. You can't. Even a goalkeeper, you can't. Until you, until you see him wearing his gloves. So it's like these guys are kicking the ball. They're doing a one-touch movements and that. You can't tell who's who. And that's how it was in Spain. I think I would have done so well because I was so powerful. If I was fully fit, I was powerful, my speed and uh, my strength, that would have been good for the defenders out there because them lot over there, there's nothing to do with strength. It's, everything's just technique. Everything was just technique. So if I had to use my strength against all them defenders, I think I would have done really well. And uh, in that, that country, the football's great, man. Football's good, man. Tell you, the weather's crazy. The <laughs> weather is crazy. The weather is crazy. It's like, oh, man, nah. It was, I would have done well, but anyway, that's what happens. And, um, yeah, after that, after that, I started of football now. I've been, it's been hard. It was hard at the beginning. Yeah. You know what was hard at the beginning? I'll tell you exactly what was hard at the beginning. It was hard because obviously I miss football. I miss football. That's just normal. Everybody does that. When you first get used to, you don't wake up Saturdays, you start sitting there every Saturday, you're watching match of the day, you're watching your, your, your mates, they're still playing, they're still, still scoring goals, they're getting all these moves. And you're thinking, Wow. And that was the part that hurt me the most. That's, that's, that's what hit me. Not hurt, but it hit. It hit me where I'm sitting there and looking at my friends. I'm looking at my mates that I was playing with. I'm looking at my teammates. And I'm looking at these people doing well. People playing, they're still fit. And I'm thinking to myself, how come these people are still fit? Why am I not fit? How come I used to play with these guys, but they're still fit? They're still running well. They're still moving well. And I'm not. Why am I not? Why is it not me? That's why I used to think to myself. I used to think it was unfair. Why did it happen to me? Why did I have to rip off my hamstring like that? Why this? Why is that? Why is that? Why are they still playing? This thing used to happen to me in my head. It used to click in my head somewhere. But then it took me time. It took me 
um, after it got to, it took me a good three, four years, you know, it took me a good three years you know, until we got to 2015. I started to realize, you know what? I need to live life outside football. That's when it took me a good, since 2011 until yeah. 2015. That's when I started to realize, you know what, Trezor, football's done for you, mate. Wake up and try and do something else because forget about all this football, football. I'm looking at my teammates getting sold. I'm looking at my teammates going to the Premier League. I'm looking at my teammates going, uh, playing for these teams. I'm looking at Max Gradell. This is the, this is the young guy he used to look after at Leeds. He came to Leeds from Leicester alone. Uh, Max Gradle. Max oh, Gradle yeah, yeah. came over. Yeah, and this guy used to look after him. This guy used to tell me everything about his life. You know what I mean? I'm talking about everything about his life. These guys used to talk to me about his pocket money. These guys <laughs> used to talk to me. Seriously, he was really, he was like a little, little brother to me at Leeds. We used to share rooms, obviously, sometimes we used to share. I, when he went, I'd always, I've always shared rooms with uh, David, uh, with, uh, uh, with uh, Beckford, Jermaine Beckford. But then when, when, when Max Gradle came, sometimes we started sharing between three of us sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> we're going to get beds. You know what we used to do sometimes? Yeah, we were going to get beds. And we stick them together in the chain when we travel and we stick the two beds together in it. And we just slip there, the three of us together. Crazy. We used to bond so much, it was to be crazy. And sometimes, obviously, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not expecting all these other players to do this, but sometimes we were going to chill there. We've got two beds, and uh, my man will just pick up his soul, uh, he'll pick up his bed, he'll bring it to the next room, and put his bed on the floor, and then we just going to sleep the three of us. We used to do that sometimes. It was mad. He's crazy. So I'm looking at all these guys and I'm looking at all these guys getting moves, going left, going right, going to the premiership. And I was like, oh my God, why is it them? Why not me? Why couldn't I just stay fit? You know what I mean? He was going through that. And obviously, I had to go through it. It gets to a point where you just get through it, you get used to it, you get used to it and you just take it out of your mind and you just, obviously your mind gets set. you got people around you that makes you realise like, you know what, it's not, always, it's not always about football. There's another life out there outside of football. So it was a bit like that and I just got I got used to it and uh, obviously I started doing my own things on the side which it keeps me busy and it, keeps, it helps me, yeah. Thanks for that. And when you look back on your sort of, your footballing career and, um, you know, your life sort of around that and uh, I think thank you very much firstly for being so open and being so honest with us about some of the experiences you had over the course of, course of your footballing career. And I think yeah. you sort of spoke about it earlier on uh, around, you know, you only re were at Barnet for 10 months of your career, yeah. 10 months of your life. Um, yeah. How important was that time at Barnet for you, both on a footballing and a personal level? Uh, uh, I would say that was the most important of it. Okay, let me think. Obviously, we always want to, you, you always want to become a pro. You know what I mean? You can't lie about that. You, we're always going to be in a club with the YTS and you want to get a pro contract. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. But if I'm talking about, I always knew I'm gonna get a pro contract anyway. I go, I, I go told from my first year of the pro as a YT, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a pro contract. My pro contract was waiting for me like a year before. You know what I mean? So I kind of knew that. So for me, that that, that part is never really hit me. It wasn't really something that I was struggling to get. It, so it's never really touched me like that. But the thing that touched me the most is the fact that what made me wake up. What made me wake up is when I went to jail. That made me wake up. That made me realize, you know what? Yeah, this is your last train. This is your last chance. If you lose this chance, you're gone. So that bit did. I helped that Barney done for me. That 
sticking by my side, that experience that I had to experience from people sticking by my side and me had to work extra hard, had to prove a point. That's what made me wake up. That's what made me become, that's what got me that move. If that never happened to me, I would have never got that move to Leeds. I don't think so. Never. I don't think, I personally don't think so. I knew I was good. I knew I was a good player. But I was always like, you know what? Okay, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I can do this. I can do that, but that's fine. But I was never where, let me prove this people. I never thought to myself, I've never wanted to prove people. But when I got to the point where I really wanted to prove to a different level, prove people to a different level, like, you know what? Yeah, you guys thought I was going to be dead. If I was going to be dead, you, you, thought be, you thought I was done, I'll prove your point. That case there was a, that was a turning point of my career. That was the biggest turning point of my career, big time. And forever, forever appreciate it. Forever appreciate the support from, uh, from Barnet. Yeah, well, no, look, Treza, we massively appreciate your time this evening. I know we've taken a lot of it, um, but thank you so much for being so open, honest, for looking back on good memories of us um, and for, for giving yeah. us just lots of insight into what it was like at Barnet and your later career. We, you know, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. You're welcome, mate. I'll take Robinson on. Most people would say I was mad. Lovely stuff from Curry, not a bad try, and that's a terrific.